You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardinbaptist.org. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Ecclesiastes. Book of Ecclesiastes. Corey finished in verse 9 last Sunday, so we're going to be in verse 10. Some of you are going to ask, yes, I have new glasses, but I had new glasses last week too. These are my work glasses. Last week was my preaching glasses. But yesterday afternoon, the last thing I did was I fed the cows and I forgot to take my work glasses off. And so I'm preaching in my work glasses this morning. Okay, so don't let that distract you. Okay, Uh, my seeing is the same as it was last week. So thankful you're here. I discovered this week something that I did not know. I learned this from Philip Rockin. Did you know that NASA gave a grant to the University of Wyoming, specifically their English department, to develop a class called Interstellar Message Composition? NASA has been working tirelessly because they have the belief that there is life outside our planet And for years, they've been working feverishly. We've spent millions and millions of dollars trying to find aliens. And we've been really trying to find a way to communicate with them once they are discovered. And NASA has suddenly realized that when we make that discovery, we have not thought about what we're going to say. So they've given a grant to an English class to write a message. The professor of that class believes that the first message we send needs to be a simple SOS message. 10 words or less. And so here is the prevailing thought of what that message should be from one of those higher educated English students. Our message is going to be this. We are an adolescent species searching for our identity. Says a lot about higher education, amen? I know some of you rolled your eyes with the very thought that there is another life form in the galaxy or outside the galaxy besides us as humans. And to know that we would actually try to communicate with another life form. I hope it doesn't surprise you, but your pastor, Brother Ricky, believes There is another life form beyond this planet. And he had a desire to communicate with us before we ever thought about communicating with him. Praise the Lord, he didn't send us a nine-word SOS. He not only sent us his son, but he sent us his word. 
Would you stand with me this morning? Let's open to the book of Ecclesiastes. I've always heard wise people say the more they study, the less they seem to know. I have really struggled with the book of Ecclesiastes. Corey makes it look so easy. I'm struggling. So in full humility, I say this to you. After studying this week, I'm at least wise enough to know I don't know as much as I thought I knew. But I'm going to give you my best attempt at interpreting God's word through the preacher we all believe to be Solomon. We're going to try to start with verse 10 and end with the 29th verse of chapter 7. But to do that in the first service, I had to bar back some of the time that I didn't use last week. If you'll listen quickly, we'll try to cut some things out of the first message so that we all get out on time. For our public reading, we're going to read verse 12 of chapter 6. For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? Look at verse 14. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. Let's ask God's blessing one more time. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for this opportunity to gather on this first day of a brand new week. Thank you that this is the Sunday that our children come out and shared song about you. And what a joy it is to be a parent, a grandparent, family of these kids. But what a blessing it is for Harden to open the gate of First Fruits Farm and let the church and the community see many, many of the kids who faithfully come to Harden. Thank you, Father, for the blessing of this spiritual family. We ask you now to anoint us as the speaker and anoint us as the congregation. We don't want to be a speaker only or a hearer only. We want to be a doer of your word. And I pray that you challenge us this morning. And it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to ask you if you brought your Bibles, not just to follow along on the screen, but keep your Bible open as we walk through this passage. I want to point out something before we begin. The last three verses of chapter six in our English Bibles is in what's called straight prose. But when we come to chapter seven, verse one, and go through the first 13 verses, you're gonna see that there's a change in style. That change in style is because in these 13 verses, there's gonna be proverbial sayings. There's gonna be pithy sayings, so to speak, wise statements. So therefore, they are written in most of our English Bibles like they are in Hebrew, they're written in the style of poetry. 
But when verse 13 ends, we continue on with the seventh chapter. And in verse 14, Solomon goes back to straight prose. So we've got prose, poetry, prose. Wouldn't you know it, it would fall to Brother Ricky again, an AM guy to have to preach on an FM passage. But I'm going to try to do the best of my ability. Corey did not just not get through the sixth chapter last week. Starting at verse 10, the writer is continuing his thought, but he's starting a new thought at the same time. So let's back up in our Bibles and look at verse 10 through 12 because they're going to form the introduction to our message this morning. Listen to what verse 10 says. Whatever has come to be has already been named and it is known what man is and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage of man to man? For who knows what is good for him, man, while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow. For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? I believe, like many Jewish scholars, that Solomon here is referring back to creation. In creation, God spoke everything out of nothing. And once he spoke things into existence, he named things. When light appeared, God called it day. He named the darkness night. He created the heavens and named them. Created land, called it earth. Created man, named him. In Jewish thought, if you name something or someone, for that to be proper, you must have authority over it. You must be sovereign over it. So here's what Solomon is saying. Everything that is has already been named by someone who is sovereign over it. And when we think about creation, we know what man is. God named us man. Why? Because it reveals who we are. We're from dirt. We're just an old clod, so to speak. We are earthy. We're from the dirt, from the earth, from the land. I think Star Trek got it right in many of those episodes. They talk about us as earthlings. And there's something in us we all have in common that differentiates us from that species they were meeting in their imagination. 
And so here's what Solomon's doing. He's reminding us that we are earthlings who live in a fallen world and there is a being that is stronger than us. There is a being who's named us, who is sovereign over us, and he is God. And he's stronger than us. So just quit talking about it. Quit arguing with him. You're never going to win. Wow. You're going to lose every time you go up against him. Because he's heavenly. You're an earthling. Now, what Solomon's going to do is he's going to remind us there's a sovereign over us, but most of us look at life under the sun, so he asked this question. Who, who can know what's really good for earthlings who live for such a very short time, their life is like a shadow that passes? James would agree with Solomon. Our life is like a mist, a vapor, pierced for a short time, poof, gone. And who can tell man what's going to come after him? And the answer to Solomon is nobody. Whoa. So here's what Solomon's trying to get us to see. How to live life in a fallen world. To where from time to time we're going to disagree with the sovereign who has authority over us. Because life under the sun isn't going to make sense. Sometimes. And to do this, he launches into poetry. <sighs> Poor Brother Ricky. Thirteen verses. So here's going to be my title for the message this morning. What Solomon is trying to say to the people he's writing to is this. He's talking about a better way of living in a fallen world. He's going to tell us in his own language there's a more good way to live than another way. Now for those of us who are from Dexter... He's going to tell us there's a gooder way to live in a fallen world. And if you're on the other side of the tracks, he's going to tell you and me there's a more gooder way to live. 
He's not really talking about right or wrong, righteousness and sinless. Yes, he's going to allude that, but he's going to say in a fallen world where we can't figure it out, he's examined life to the degree that there are some things that in our ESV says better than other things. And so what we're going to see in this is a formula where he's comparing things. Now, I'm going to divide these 13 verses into four sections. Look at verses one through four with me on the screen. A good name is better. A good name is more good than precious ornament. I love this. A good name is gooder than precious ointment and the day of death and the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting for this is the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart. (laughs) Sorrow is more good than laughter for by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Wow. Can we just process this quickly? In a fallen world, it's better to go to a funeral than a birthday party. Didn't get any amens. And Brother Trad's here. Anybody want to argue with God? But here's what Solomon believes. And there's the Holy Spirit. A good name? That's better than having the ability to buy precious oils. Meaning, a good name is better than having a luxurious standard of living. Everybody agree? Now, to drive the point home here so that we understand this truth, so that we understand how to have a good name and not pursue a luxurious lifestyle, here's what he said. Better to go to funerals than to birthday parties. Better to go to the house of mourning where you're mourning the death of someone than to go to a house where there's drinking because we're celebrating somebody's life. Why? Because when you go to a birthday party, you don't learn anything. You just celebrate somebody's birth. Amen? But when you go to a funeral, you learn something. We're all going to die. And in that moment of grief that's on our face, outwardly, it starts to change our heart inwardly. Wow. If you let me stay to the first Sunday of May, and I hope you do, I will have been your pastor for 40 years. 
I have done a lot of funerals and I've been to a lot of funerals. But culture is changing in Western Kentucky. When I first started preaching and I did a funeral, the place was full. Hardly ever did I do a funeral where the place wasn't full. Now, the average and the norm is I preach a funeral and there's the family and a couple of other people in the crowd. We don't go to funerals. We send flowers, we send food, we get on the meal train. We try to go through visitation. If not, we post, we send a text, we make a phone call. But we are too busy to go to a funeral. But birthday parties, wow. We don't miss them. So here's what we're losing. We live in a society now that doesn't go to a funeral and have 30 to 45 minutes to sit and contemplate that one day I'm going to be in a casket. While the preacher or somebody in the family is talking about the person who died, we don't think about what's going to be said at my funeral. How am I going to be thought of? What influence do I have? See, here's what Solomon knew. It was more gooder for us to attend funerals. And matter of fact, if we consider ourselves wise, we had rather go to a funeral than a birthday party because it's the fools who go to the birthday parties and it's the wise who go to funerals because when we wise people go to a funeral, we go and learn how to live our life in light of our death. And life is really, really, really short. You just get one opportunity. And you don't want to waste it. After the sermon this morning, a church member came up to me and said, Brother Ricky, my daughter, who is young, has already written out her obituary. And she reads it to herself every morning. Wow. Some of you say that's morbid. No, that's biblical. She's living in light of her death. And it changes the way you live in a fallen world. Some of us would not make the choices we make if we lived in light of our death. Secondly, let's look at verse 5 through 8. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This is also vanity. Surely oppression drives the wife into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. I know, if you're like me, you see those people coming, and you want to go somewhere else because you know what they're going to say is, it's going to hurt. It's going to be a critique. 
it's going to be a rebuke. But when we see that person comes who sings our song, (laughs) we want to hear our song being sung. Now, this doesn't mean we shouldn't listen to someone who's wise, who praises us, but here's what he's contrasting. There is wise folks who we need to listen to because they have some sincere critique of us that will help us as we live in a fallen world. And then there's some people that are singing our song, but they're fools, and we need to quit listening to those songs, even though it's all about us. That song that we're listening to that's coming from a fool It's like in those days, the people who cooked with the thorn bush, it crackled and it popped, but it was all flame, no heat. Can you imagine getting ready to grill a steak and going out and getting some briars and putting the briars under your grill? You wouldn't do that. Even though it'll crackle, pop, make a lot of noise. Yes, the song of the fool in your may be making a lot of noise, but it's no value to you. You need to listen to that wise person. Could be your husband, could be your wife, could be your father, could be your mother, could be your pastor, could be a friend. Because we need what they say to us as we navigate a fallen world. Some of you know this, I think. I don't say this proudfully. I just say this truthfully. Brother Ricky has improved a little bit in his preaching since he started almost 42 years ago. And one of the main reasons I've improved is because I have a critic. She's my number one critic. Her name's Salisa. She's wise. She was on the Callaway County speech team just like I was that won state championships. And I prize her critique. Now, we've learned how to do this and not do this. In the beginning days, I would preach a little church in downtown Hardin. We would go to the country crossroads for lunch because somebody would slip a $20 bill in my hand. And that would buy the whole family and have money left over for dessert and a tip in that day. And we would leave church and we'd cross that little bridge. And when we'd cross that little bridge, she would start critiquing. (sighs) I couldn't handle it. I'd get defensive. I was still on the high. (sighs) So we agreed. Let me glory for four days. And then on Thursday, you critique the sermon. And I'm better for it. We live in a fallen world. None of us are experts. So we need those wise people. And we not only live in light of death, we listen to the wise people in our life. Even though it may hurt from time to time. Thirdly, look at these next verses, verses 8 through 10. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the hearts of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. We've got a little saying in America that goes, all's well that ends well. 
We can't always tell how things are going from the beginning or in the middle until it actually ends. Everybody agree? And there's been a lot of times where we thought we were making the right decision, doing the right thing, and then it was a disaster. So Solomon knew the reason that is because we live in a fallen world. So here's what he says. It's better to be, it's more good to be patient in your spirit than to be proud in your spirit. Because you know what's going to happen if you're proud in your spirit? You're going to think you're right. And you're not going to listen to anybody. And what you think is going good is not going to end well. And you're not going to have anybody to blame but yourself because of the pride you've got. Here's how you can kind of tell pride. You get angry at others. Why are you angry at others when they, because they're not doing what you want them to do. They've got another opinion. They've got another thought. And so you're quick to anger. Now, listen, no matter who you are, you may be wise, but all of us can still be foolish. And here's what he says. This is Solomon, not Brother Ricky. When you lose your temper and you get angry, you are a fool. Not going to ask you to raise your hand. Just going to ask all the fools to just keep your hands down. (laughs) That's all of us. Not the entirety of our life, but in that moment when we let pride take over. So let's be patient. Let's be humble. Because we live in a fallen world and we're really not going to know some things till it's complete. Verse 11 and 12. Wisdom is good with an inheritance and advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. It's better to have wisdom with your money than money with no wisdom. With money, you can protect your standard of living. But it shouldn't be your standard of living you're worried about. What you should be worried about is your standard of life. And money doesn't preserve a person's standard of life. Wisdom does. Next point. Now we're going to switch one more verse of poetry, but I'm going to put it with a verse of prose. I'm going to put 13 and 14 together. See on the screen how you can tell that first verse, verse 13, is poetry, but this next sentence is prose. Now, most of the scholars stop this at verse 13 and have verse 14 starting something else. I do not believe that's what Solomon's doing. 
As Corey talks about their bursts of light in this book, in the midst of this darkness, I think this is a burst of light. So when we're thinking about living in a fallen world and there's a more gooder way to live, there's a better way to live, here's what he says in verse 13, consider the work of God. Even though we're living under the sun, there needs to be times when we stop and recognize we are not in control of the world. But God is. And you know what he's done? He's made some things crooked. Not all things are straight. Whoa. This isn't attributing to God evil. But it is attributing to God this. God has designed a world. And he has a purpose for some crooks, some speed bumps, some valleys, some cliffs. And you need to consider that. And you need to quit trying to make those things straight. Meaning, you need to quit trying to make it the way you want it to be and accept the way it is. Because you're not going to change it. If I could use a baseball analogy, most of us baseball players are fastball hitters. But we live in a fallen world where we're going to get an occasional curveball. So we got to learn to hit curveballs. I learned this the hard way. I played baseball in Hardin, Kentucky, downtown Hardin. I was so skilled in being a second baseman that I was voted by the coaches to be the all-star second baseman of the league. Yeah. And they felt so good about our team that they decided to play other teams in other tournaments and we would go to the big city of Murray and we'd go to the big city of Benton and we played one as far as away as Calvert City. Now I want you to know in our league we learned to be great fastball hitters because we had one of the fastest pitchers in this area. And the first of the season he would strike most of us out but by the end of the season we was hitting his fastballs. His name was Stephen Hutchins. Wow. That ball was smack into that mitt. But we learned to hit his pitches. So when we went to our first tournament and we faced Murray, we were not worried even though they were a big metropolitan city and we were just a small town. There was only nine playing at a time. And I was the leadoff batter. I'll never forget that first tournament. I was in the batter's box and being a right-handed batter, all of a sudden, a pitch started coming to me, and it was right at my shoulder. And you don't want to get hit by a fastball. So I took a step back, and when I took a step back and did this, the ump called it a strike. How could a ball that was going to hit my shoulder suddenly be called a strike when I had bailed out of the batter's box? Now, I was not an argumentative kid, but I knew he had messed up. But I was puzzled when I looked at the picture. His name was Terry Gibson, and he had a smirk on his face. 
I lined up again and the next pitch came toward me again and I bailed back and when I bailed back, it was strike two. And for the first time in my life, I faced a curveball. Needless to say, we didn't do very good in that game against Terry. And some of you aren't doing very good in life. You're living good, but not more gooder. Because you refuse to consider the work of God. You refuse to consider that God has ordained some crooks in your life. And he's not going to make them straight and you're not going to make them straight. So here's what you need to realize. Verse 14, straight pros, I get it. You're going to have a day of prosperity and you're going to have a day of adversity. On your day of prosperity, just rejoice. Amen, just rejoice. Just enjoy the moment. But get ready. And when that day of adversity comes, no, you're not going to rejoice, but you're going to what? You're going to consider. Can't change it. Can't make it straight. Quit arguing with the one who has sovereign authority over your life. Because ultimately, here's what Solomon says to us. God is not going to let us figure all things out and know all things because if we did, we'd be him and he's not gonna share his glory. We are earthlings. So consider that there's a sovereign God in control of your life. You're not going to learn from the times of rejoicing because you're not going to think anything about it. You're going to take them from granted. But how many of you have had a day of adversity that changed your life? You didn't change the day and you didn't change the event. But it changed you. Wow. Next section, we got a minute and 38 seconds to go. In my vein... Somebody asked me, are you going to bar some of the time you... Yes, I'm barring it this morning. All righty. In my vain life, I've seen everything. There's a righteous man who perishes his righteous. There's a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Be not overly righteous. Do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this and from that withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Here's what bothers Solomon. In his vain attempt at life, in looking at life, here's what he realized. There were some righteous people who died in their righteousness. They died really righteous. They died really young. And then there's some people who were really wicked. And they lived in their wickedness to a long life, and they prospered. And that bothered him. That bothered him. Does it bother any of you? So here's what he says. You're not going to like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Spiritually be a moderate. Don't go to that extreme of trying to be 
super righteous. Which what he's talking about is being self-righteous. And some of you are setting yourselves up for failure because you're just like a Pharisee. You are so self-righteous. You so think your way of life is right. And he said, you're setting yourself up for a fall. And then there's the others who went to the other extreme and you flirt with sin and you flirt with danger. And you're going to end your life before it's time. So he says, be moderate. How do you be moderate? You fear God. And God saves you from the extreme of self-righteousness and he saves you from the extreme of flirting with sin. Amen? Now, next, next section. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than 10 rulers here in a city. Surely there's not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Do not take to heart all the things that people say lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. We all know this truth, right? There is not a righteous man on the earth who doesn't occasionally sin. Everybody agree? So be careful what you hear even righteous people saying. Because sometimes they're going to be talking about you. And it's going to hurt your feelings. And you're not going to believe they think that about you. Any ever had your spouse tell you something? Whew. And then later they're saying, no, nah, I didn't mean that. Ah. Well, yeah, they did or they wouldn't have said it. Right? So, so listen, we live in a world where be careful. Even your servant who knows you may say something about you. But don't live your life based on what other people are saying. Now, this isn't contradicting the wise man who's going to critique you. And here's the bottom line. Is there anybody in here who's never said anything bad about anybody? Thank you for being honest. I've only been to a couple funerals where I heard this statement. I never heard her say anything bad about anybody. Those of you who have heard somebody say something bad about you that you reacted to, you've said the same thing about other people but don't want them to react to what you said. You want other people to tell you what someone said about you, but you don't want them to say what you said. So let's just confess up. In a fallen world, there's nobody righteous that never messes up. Agreed? Now that brings us to the conclusion. Verses 23 through 26. All this I have tested by wisdom, and I said I will be wise, but it was far from me. Wisest man on the planet says, I'm not wise. That which is far off and deep and very deep. Who can find it out? I turn my heart to know and to search and to seek and to find wisdom and scheme of things and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that is madness. And I find something more bitter than death. Ooh, this hurts. The woman whose heart is snares and nets and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Solomon said, I've been trying to figure out life, can't figure it out, but here's this one thing I have figured out. You stay away from that woman who's a, narrow, a snare in a net. Because when you go for her and you get her, you're going to get more than you bargained for. 
She is not who she says she is and presents herself to be. When you get in a relationship with her, you're going to be in fetters. You're going to be chained. And those of you who are sinners, those of you who are selfish, those of you who are about yourself, yeah, you're going to fall for that. But those who are seeking God, we're going to have the wisdom to stay away from that kind of lady. Solomon spends three chapters in Proverbs warning us about that kind of lady. Pray you're not married to that kind of lady. I pray in this fallen world you're wise enough to stay away from that kind of woman. Last section. Behold, this is what I found, says the preacher, while adding one thing to another to find the scheme of things which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found one man among a thousand I found. This ain't popular today. And I know we're on this side of the cross. But in that day, Solomon says, but a woman among all these I have not found. Solomon said, I found one wise man among a thousand. When it came to ladies, didn't even find one. Ladies are half the population. What's he emphasizing here? There's just one wise, righteous person among 2,000. Odds are really slim we're going to bump into a righteous, wise person. Is what he's trying to point. He's not making ladies be bad and men be one in a thousand better than a lady. Not his point. Look at this last verse. This alone I found that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. God made us right to bear his image, but we blew it because we wanted to figure out life on our own. We wanted to be our own God. Now in closing, can I just bring you on this side of the cross? This whole sermon's about a more good way to live, a better way to live in a fallen world. But on this side of the cross, I can promise you this. There is a best way to live in a fallen world. Because here's what Solomon didn't know. Solomon did not know that God would send a man who would be righteous and would never sin. Amen? And he didn't know we could live in light of his death, not our death. And living in light of his death, not our death, we can live wisely in a fallen world. Because you can trust everything the one says who has lived the life you couldn't live and went to the cross to die the death you should have lived. You can trust what he says. Quit arguing with him. Quit doing it your way. And let's live the full, true Christian life. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the wisdom that we see in him, the wisdom that Solomon did not find, but we have found in your son. In his name we pray, amen. You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardinbaptist.org.